It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome again to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is David. I'm here with Chris. It's been a while since both of us have uh, been on uh, the podcast, but we're back this week. Uh, we've got a fun episode for you. Before we get started, I want to ask you to follow us on Twitter at Digital Kill, to like our page on Facebook, subscribe via iTunes, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Podchaser. Well, Chris, the holidays are upon us. How, is Santa going to come see you, or have you been bad and going to get just a big pile of coal and switches? Hopefully not coal. I think I've been decent enough, man. How are you doing? Oh, man, I am I am good. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a minute, hasn't it? It has. Yeah, I, I think it's been probably, God, it's probably been at least a month since I've been on. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just we haven't been able to, we haven't been able to, you know, hook up our schedules. So um, I'm back and uh, ready to do a go of this and try to get a little, a little bit more consistent. So. Yeah, well, we we have our next since we have our next couple of podcasts already kind of planned out. Um, definitely for the next couple of weeks. Before we go, I do want to before we start, I do want to say thank you to uh, Cody Dickinson of the North Mississippi All Stars. Uh, very gracious to give me 15 minutes before their show last Friday night. Um, as nice as I've, I've I've always heard, he's just one of the nicest people you'll meet, and uh, you know that that proved to be true. Uh, he even expressed some interest in coming back, uh, maybe meeting up at Chris's house and doing a long form uh, interview. Uh, it's just really cool when you think about you know his dad played the piano on Wild Horses, his dad played for Bob Dylan. Robert Plant asked to be on one of their albums. Robert Plant contributed harmonica to you know, two of their tracks on one of their albums. And, um, you know, Luther Dickinson, his brother, like age 14, played on a replacements record that his dad produced. So uh, just a really cool music heritage and uh, pretty much right in your backyard, Chris. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I heard a, uh, I listened to on Sirius, one of my favorite channels on there is Little Stevens Underground Garage. And today I heard a band and I'd heard them before, but I I didn't know anything about them. But they're, uh, I mean, they, they, absolutely fit the um fit the mold for you know underground garage but a band called jason and the scorchers and um been around for a long time but they played a song off of an album they did in the late 80s and they said that um that jim dickinson produced it and uh 
he gave a quick shout out and some of the mentions of the work that he's done and, and also mentioned uh, the boys, his boys being in uh, North Mississippi All-Stars. But, yeah, so, I mean, just driving around and band that probably most people haven't heard of. Yeah, that thought, is. Wow, this sounds real. This band sounds really damn cool. And, um, yeah, he produced the record. We well, know Jason and the Scorchers. He did. He did Big Star. Jim Dickinson, their dad, did Big Star's third. And obviously, that Paul Westerberg's a huge Big Star fan. So he came down to do. Um, was it Pleased to Meet Me? I think in 1987, it's got like Skyway on it. And yeah. uh, he did that one. And then you can go to Jim's uh, Wikipedia page. And I mean, he played on on Aretha Franklin records. You know, I mean, just. Uh, just amazing, and, and he was in a band, and they were kind of like the studio band at uh, Criterion Studios in Florida, and it was Dwayne Amon that told Jim Dickinson, you need to quit being in this band and go back to Memphis and start your own band. So a pretty cool uh, pretty cool story and a great a great musical heritage. But like I said, uh, very... Very grateful to Cody for giving us a few giving me a few minutes, and uh, they put on one heck of a show the other night. But uh, hopefully, we'll be able to get him and Luther uh, sit down with me and Chris, and we can do a do one of our deep dives with them. Um, Chris, it's like you said, it's been a while, and uh, since we talked, and this is something you and I have actually not talked about at all. So interesting to get your thoughts. The incoming class of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was announced uh, either this week or last week, and for the last few classes, there's always been a lot of controversy, and I feel like for this year's class, there doesn't seem to be a lot of controversy. What are, What are your thoughts? I think overall strong class, and I, I won't really argue the artist. And um, as we kind of go by, we'll briefly touch on on each one. So let's just start with the Cure. Um, overdue, but you know, I feel like they're. They feel like their body of work, their success, their influence, everything should probably should add them in sooner. But um, and I'm kind of surprised because they seem like one that the the hall would want to put in. But I was getting it right, and then I feel like uh, you know Death Leopard that was really good for rock. You know, it's uh, they they the uh, elitist of the hall certainly don't like hard rock music. Um, very, very opposed, and they're still, they still have a whole lot of work to do, and they're doing better these days. Still very, very, very far behind, but doing better. So, yeah, it was good to see them get in. Um, you know, Janet Jackson, I thought, um, yep, it's not, it's not for me, but I guess I won't argue it. Stevie Nicks, no problem there. Radiohead, I know you've gotten more into them lately, and not for me, but okay, I get it. I get the influence. Roxy Music, absolutely deserving. You know, maybe not have been mega, mega stars, but um, like I heard somebody on volume say, um, day after it was announced, without Roxy Music, do you, I mean, they, they were such a huge influence on bands like Duran Duran and so many others of the 80s New Wave. And then the zombies kind of I feel like they're kind of like that uh, when you watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they always have one of the that one of the guys from 40 years ago that gets in. They're kind of that, but that's my thoughts. Yours. Well, Janet Jackson should not be going in. It's called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, and like Joe Elliott said one time, he said, "I'm not trying to get in the Country Music Hall of Fame. Um, I just don't like that. I don't like it when like public enemy." I don't either. In. 
I don't um, either. I, I just so it's. I mean, it's nothing against her. If you want to have a music hall of fame, absolutely, she deserves to be in there. Uh, one of the one of the three or four biggest females in the eighties and the nineties. There's no doubt about that. Extremely talented. Uh, actually, I'd probably rather listen to her than my, her brother. To be completely honest with you, um, Radiohead. Uh, yeah, I have gotten more into them, but uh, there's a little asterisk on that. It's mainly three albums, uh, In Rainbows, OK Computer, and The Bends. Um, outside of that, the other stuff sometimes gets uh, a little way too pretentious for me, but there's no denying the influence they've had on bands that came after them. And you, you, at some point, you have to almost, though, give them a tip of the hat for they haven't done things for, you know, from a cookie-cutter standpoint. You know, They put out an album for free. They release OK Computer, which is this, uh, you know, kind of um, concept record that's, you know, more guitar driven. And the next album, Kid A, comes out and it's almost all electronic. So uh, just from a a willing to change standpoint, uh, uh, that's impressive. Def Leppard, there's no argument there. Uh, Two of the biggest albums really of all time in the hard rock, uh, you know, category. Um, I can under, I mean, they're one of my favorite bands. I love them. Uh, but I understand why people wouldn't like them. But to me, sometimes if your knock is, some of those people will say, well, you know, they really weren't that great musicians. But then you're putting a lot of punk bands in there, you know, that pretty much play the same three chords too. It's just all taste. But um, The Cure, yeah, very long overdue. I was listening, I, interesting to get your thoughts on this, Chris. I was listening to a Rolling Stone podcast and, they were saying, like, does this open the door for the Smiths to get in? Um, because you have the cure. Could this open the door for the Smiths and for Depeche Mode with the two bands they were talking about? Yeah, well, you know, the thing that's... I would say yes, and I think both bands are bound to eventually make it, especially Depeche Mode, just because of the... I mean, just look at Violator alone. But, um, you know, it, it surprises me that the cure took so long the Depeche Mode is not getting in the Smiths are not getting in because for every reason that the music critics won't let bands like Def Leppard in that's why they do want these others there is music elitist and like where you said that it's it's about you know you you understand they may not like it that's not what it's about you know it's it's about influence it's about and I and I do believe that I think influence is a big one, and and I'm sorry if people don't if the the these elitists the, these elitists don't like it, but album sales has to play a factor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to, but at the same time, it shouldn't be everything. You know, you you should have bands like a Roxy Music that didn't you know didn't do too bad, but they weren't setting the world on fire. But the influence was there, so you got to look at you got to look at both and. Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised that that the Smiths are in there, and I'm, I mean I think they basically said they don't want to be in there. Um, you know that's the thing. A lot of uh, a lot of people look at the rock and rock and roll hall of fame now as just a crock. And and back to your, I did just want to comment with the Janet Jackson. I agree with that. I mean that's a that's an argument. I I, I, you know, I can't do anything about it, but I can at least accept Janet Jackson a whole lot more than I can say a Public Enemy. Um, because it's rap, you know, um, you're, you're not gonna, you know, 
Guns N' Roses was in that long ago, not that long ago. You're not going to put Guns N' Roses in the Country Music Hall of Fame. Right. You know, so why do you got to, why do you put rap in the rock and roll? I mean, people wake up, it's, it's not, it's not rock and roll. Just in the same way that, you know, you've, you've got Def Leppard going in right now. If there were a rap hall, Def Leppard sure as hell shouldn't be in it. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. It, it's frustrating, and then Stevie Nicks. I don't have a problem uh, with that. She had a uh, she had a good solo career, and uh, man, have you seen any of the videos of the new F- Fleetwood Mac incarnation? No. So speaking of her, you ought to go watch one. Uh, I'll send you the link. It's really really cool. So obviously, you know Mike Mike Campbell from the Heartbreakers is you know is playing. Yeah, and so they do a tribute to um, Petty every night. Of course, you know Stevie Nicks tried to quit the Fleetwood Mac and join the Heartbreakers in the early '80s, and Tom Petty wouldn't let her. But uh, so they play Free Fall, and, and it was the very first night they'd ever played it. And you know, Campbell always stood between Tinch and um, Petty on the right. You know, kind of halfway back toward the drums. You know, because he didn't sing, he didn't have a microphone or anything. Yeah. Well, with Fleetwood Mac he's um he's on the far left and so he hits the opening chords of free falling and it was just it was a on subsequent performances i haven't seen him do it but he just went over there and stood in his spot and you know stevie looked over at him and she clearly gets you know choked up and it's just a really cool moment when they got done and you can tell you know it it was weighing on mike and you know it was weighing on her but uh anyway that's just a quick sidebar on that as far as roxy music goes um i'll be honest with you i I couldn't i couldn't i don't know anything about them other than other than almost everybody that came out of england after they came out uh list you know list them as influences and so like we were saying it's it's also influence and not necessarily out you know album sales uh i think the cure would probably tell you they wouldn't be around if it went for roxy music heck i even think oasis you know they were roxy music fans so uh and the zombies i mean at this point they're just trying to dig up it's like every year they're trying to dig up somebody that you would hear on little steven's uh serious channel from the 60s you know kind of almost like throwing them a bone i don't have a problem with it but you know at some point they've got to say the 60s are done. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I think it's, like I said, I think it's kind of like when I look at the NFL Hall of Fame, every year they have, you know, somebody from years and years ago that gets in. I look at it kind of in a similar way. Um, you know, again, I don't have a problem with them. I, the the only, I think overall strong strong class other than, you know, the fact that it is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and you got somebody like Priest that can't get in, but Janet Jackson does. Right. I mean, that's pretty absurd. Um, and look, I, I, I like Priest. I'm not the biggest fan, but my God, look at after I mean, after Sabbath, who's more important in metal? I, you can tell me somebody you like better, but if you tell me somebody's more important, I, I don't. You're gonna. You might be able to sell me, but it's probably going to be tough. Right, I would agree. And you know, you, you listen to guys like Michael Sweet, you know, and he's like, for me, it's it was Sabbath and Van Halen, and it just goes on down the line <clears throat> um, with people, you know, saying Priest or 
or Maiden. Um, honestly, I think um, I think Iron Maiden to get in before Judas Priest does. See, I love, 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 love Maiden, and um, I want him in. Don't get me wrong. I think Priest deserves in before Maiden. And don't forget, Maiden opened for Priest. Yeah, well, I mean, they were they were there. They were around many years before. Oh, God, I mean, at least at least a few years before, because I believe the the Maiden debut was. I believe it was eighty, and Priest. I don't know when their first album was came out, but this. I mean, it was it was in the seventies, and not seventy nine. Let's just put it that way. So I mean, they were around for a lot longer, and I feel like their influence is stronger than Maiden's. So and and uh, and as much commercial success, way bigger influence. So that, that's why I would put them in first. But I, I, if, you, if, if, pre, if, if, even, if even Iron Maiden gets in, I'm happy because I, I think it's going to be tough for either one of those bands to get in. I do too. I do too. I mean, you know, we sometimes have a little fun at the expense of Kiss, but look how long it took them to get in, and you can't deny the influence that they had, at least on hard rock. Absolutely. Absolutely. Alice Cooper. You know, I mean, yeah. Alice Cooper should have been first ballot, right? Just for what he did, right? Yeah, uh, and and Kiss, I think you could say the same about them. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan, but they should have, they should have been first ballot. Yeah, it's, how many people have we interviewed on here? What was your first album, Kiss Alive? You yeah. Know? All right, so Chris, some might say the Hall of Fame is highbrow. And you went to a concert that some people might say was lowbrow uh, a couple of weeks ago. And one of the people on stage has made the news big time in the last couple of weeks. Why don't you explain uh, to everybody what I'm talking about? Well, I uh, I went and saw Cannibal Corpse uh, just about... Um, and went and saw Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, I guess it was a week. You know what? I think it was a week to the day. Because it seems like that that story broke on a Monday. And um, my buddy, uh, I went with a buddy from from work, and uh, he uh, he's he's huge, huge in the metal, and he's um, he he likes the extremes, you know. He he likes, I mean, he likes the the non extreme type, type metal too, but but he really loves extreme stuff. And and I've he well, first of all, he just he did send me the, the text when it came out with this this Pat O'Brien getting arrested and on. He's like, man, you saw a legend before, you know, before, and and really he is. He's a he's a legend. Um, but uh, I always wanted to. I kept telling my buddy, is like, I, I wanted I've wanted to go to an extreme metal show sometime because I just want to experience it. And Cannibal Corpse. It's like I said, and I said to you, and I and, and I use this a lot. The saying, it, it's not for me. But I respected it, and um, it was super heavy, super intense. Um, it was what you would expect, but it was uh, it was a good crowd. I mean, not a real big venue, but completely packed. Where did they play? They played Growlers, which is the old high tone. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. Um, it was it was cool, you know. It was it was a, a there's a band um, 
called Harm's Way that was the first band, and they're a hardcore band. And so they, they didn't fit at all, but I thought they were great. And I've, I've listened to, Har- to Harm's Way. Um, yeah, I've listened to them before I ever even thought about going to that show. And then there was a band called Hate Eternal, which I pretty much hated. And, uh, they, I mean, they were, man, I mean, it was, they were crazy intense. And then Cannibal Corpse, but, hey, I wanted to do it for a long time, and it was, it's not a regret. I, um, I, 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 for the most part, I thought it was a cool experience. But, yeah, a week later, I think it was a week to the day, Pat O'Brien gets, you know, that story comes out, and if, if we won't go into details, but anybody interested, if you haven't heard about Pat O'Brien, Cannibal Corpse, guitars look it up you know at any pretty crazy at any point in the show did you get nervous no no the the crowd was honestly the crowd was i don't think the crowd would be much different than um you know i'm trying to think of something in comparison because you you know you can't say metallica because it could be you know 15 year old with their you know 40 year old dad um you know, it, it wasn't much different than if you were to go see a, I don't know, uh, let's, let's say Iron Maiden. There's a good one. It, it's not, it wasn't much different than that as far as the, the makeup of the crowd. Um, so, no, I, I, I felt, I mean, I'm sure I probably stood out, but people were cool to me. And, um, yeah, it was a good experience. Do you feel like... Their subject matter and everything, it's just kind of a joke. It's tongue-in-cheek. Oh, it's 100%. It's 100% joke. I've, I've seen them interviewed. I mean, I've seen them interviewed about it. It, it absolutely is a joke. Um, and, and you can say whatever you want about it and say, well, I wouldn't do it. or what? It's fine. You know, but I, I look at them the same way. I think we've had this discussion before about other bands. It's, I realize some people have a tough time you know, they, they look at them as completely different polar opposites. I don't. I think that for whatever reason, film gets a pass, music doesn't. And to me, it's no different than making a, a slasher film. You know, um, yeah, their lyrics may go more extreme, but I mean, there's only so many ways you can kill a person when you're making a movie. <laughs> All right, that may be but, my favorite line of the podcast. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, no, they're not serious. And if you ever get a chance, I mean, what's the guy? Um, I can't think of his last name. I know, I think his first name is George, but he goes by the uh, the nickname Corpse Grinder. That's the uh, vocalist. He's, he comes across as like the nicest guy. I mean, he he seems really pleasant. Um, yeah, I, it's it's absolutely. Just when you when you when you saw the guitar player, did you say to yourself flamethrowers? No, no. Well, you know the crazy thing that now that the little bit more detail came out, you saw that he had three skulls too. Yeah, and I was like, wow. That's and so my buddy at the, at, the, at work and uh, another buddy, we were in a group text about that last night actually, and uh, I, said, I commented about three skulls, and one of them said only three. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then another one sent a uh, sent a YouTube video of uh, the Misfits, the song Skulls. Oh right after, man! So, so I thought that was pretty good. Oh, um, that was well, funny. Why shifting subject? You got any new music you're listening to? 
Um, yeah, well, yeah. Um, it's an acoustic album that Blackberry Smoke put out called the Southern Ground Se- Sessions. And basically, it's just um, th- their latest, latest album, Find a Light, came out in March. And it's like five songs off that album that they record. From what I've read, sometimes in just one take, they just did an acoustic version of them. But the standout track on it is, are you familiar with Amanda Shires? I am. They did uh, Tom Petty's You Got Lucky with Amanda Shires in one take acoustically. And uh, it's really, really good. They're a band that, for whatever reason, I just never got into, which is strange because they got their name from Chris Robinson. They're from Marietta. Uh, when the Black Crows broke up, Rich went on tour with them and stuff. And uh, there's some of the f- few people I, that that are friends with, actual real good friends with Chris and Rich. But I just never really kind of, for whatever reason, it never did anything for me until I went and saw them uh, here back. When I interviewed uh, Caleb from uh, Tyler Brighton Shakedown, they opened for him. And they just blew me away with their music ability. And so uh, I, I've really gone back and hit the back catalog and uh, enjoyed it. But the uh, it's an acoustic album. And if you're listening out there, just go check out uh, You Got Lucky with Amanda Shires. She just has like an angelic voice to begin with. Um, and like Greg Amon has played with them. And um, they're actually opening, going on tour this summer as the primary opening band for the Tedeschi Trucks Will of Soul tour, which is coming through here so i'll go see it but uh they uh it's kind of hard to categorize them um i know you and i've had this discussion uh that you were kind of on the assumption that it was kind of like redneck rock and um that's kind of like what i thought about them but then it's really not it's more it's kind of like the drive-by truckers a lot of their lyrical content is is a story through the third person and that's kind of a lot what um, uh, Blackberry Smokey is. So it's not, it's not like listening to like um, you know Luke Bryan and, and all that kind of stuff. It's more kind of like the Drive By Truckers. They're telling a lot of stories a lot of times through a third person. But uh, yeah, you got lucky with Amanda Shires. It's great, and uh, her latest album is really really good. It's probably gonna make my top ten uh, that we'll do here in a couple of weeks. But um, uh, her yeah her latest album it's more electronic than it is her other stuff has been of course she's you know most people associate her with her husband Jason Isbell so uh, but anyway so that's me you now Chris I know uh, our boy Rune from uh, is he live in Denmark or Norway I believe Norway uh, I feel like everything that Chris puts out there he he loves it and so. Uh, I had posted a, a thing, uh, I think about two or three weeks ago, just kind of like, Hey, what are some of your favorite albums of the year? You know, we're getting ready to do our year end episode. And he gave us a name of one that, uh, you listen to. And, uh, I've heard about it from you ever since you, uh, started listening to it. Why don't you tell everybody about that? Well, I just want to say like Rune, if you, I, first of all, if we're butchering your name, apologies, man, we're just, you know couple of dumb yanks here um but uh anyway he the stuff that he likes and the stuff of mine that i i put out there and he that i know he likes and some of the stuff that he posts about he's one of those guys and there's only a few of those that they tell me something's really good i listen you know it goes like priority um whereas somebody else may tell me something that sure i may get to it eventually 
Well, he recommended one called Holy Fawn when you put out a post about, you know, what's your top 10 albums of, of the year, or what's one of your favorite albums or whatever. And he posted a band called Holy Fawn. The album is called Death Spells. This album is killer. I mean, it is, um, it's shoegaze, I guess, with a little bit of metal elements. I know people probably will think it's a metal record. I don't hear it as a metal record at, at all. But um, it is, you know, it's, it's, it's dark. It's kind of dreary, hazy. Um, I, I just, and at times just beautiful. Just the music, everything. Um, Davey, you know how I've been exper- getting more experimental with some of the, what is not quite metal, but, you know, bands like Death Heaven. I've been real big into a French band called uh, Alcest. Um, yes, Rune, check that band out since you like them. A-L-C-E-S-T. Um, I've been get, I've, I've started to really like a lot of these bands, and, I, man, this, this, this album absolutely blew blew me away and i don't see there any way be any i don't see it being any way it's not in my top 10 so absolutely love it thanks for the recommendation um the other thing i would mention just music wise that i've been listening to is uh dave haas um if you're not familiar with dave haas it's h-a-u-s-e dave haas put out an ep called september haze and it's uh it's really really good dave haas is probably one of my favorite newer singer songwriters uh but I, I love his band that he was in before called called um, the Loved Ones, and this has a has an acoustic version of the song on his last album, "Bury Me in Philly." It's the song "Shaky Jesus," and then he did. There's a song on it called "Hold Your Hand," which a buddy of mine said that's a Brandy Carlisle song. I don't listen to Brandy Carlisle, so I didn't know that. But really, really good song. And then the, the closer, "Mother's Day," is just it. It's so good. Probably one of the best songs of his. Um, so it, check Dave Hawes out, anybody, if you haven't heard it. I mean, if, if you're into Brian Fallon, um, Chuck Reagan, Gaslight, all that kind of stuff, give give him a listen. Uh, so you won't be disappointed. was this something he did just to kind of tie it over to the next full-length album? I don't know, I guess. I guess so. Um, he's done EPs before in the past. and uh, But, yeah, I mean, it, it's... Um, it's really good, and, and again, somebody's just listening to it for the first, you know, and hearing us say you listen to us here and here and there, or, and you haven't heard us talk about him before, or maybe you're just now listening to us. If you're not familiar with Dave Hawes, listen to the album Devour. Um, that is probably one of the better records of the last ten years, and uh, that, that's not an exaggeration. It every song on it is good, and one of my buddies at work, a different one, not the Cannibal Corpse guy, but a different guy. He uh, he loves a lot of the same music that I do, and so about a week ago or so, I I text him the uh, that that album, and it's like, hey, check this out. I think he may like it. And he told me a few days later, I saw him, and he, he said, man, he said that, that Dave Hawes album. He said, you're not kidding. He said that thing's great. He said, and I love the first few songs. He said, and I was like, this man, this is really good. He said, and then it just kept getting better. Um, and it's true. You'll you'll listen to the first few songs. But man, this is a good album. These songs are great, and they keep getting better. Um, so Dave Hawes, Devour. That's my uh, that's my uh, praise praise of Dave Hawes. It's been a while since I've done it, and I can't speak highly enough again about the guy. Um, 
the last thing I will mention, and I think you, I don't know if you watched it entirely, David, but uh, Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. Yeah, I watched most. I watched most of it. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, I know you're not a huge Springsteen. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm not a huge Springsteen fan. Several of the songs that he played there, I'm really a big fan of. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I wish more people, and I'm sure this thing was so successful, they're going to try it with other people. Um, I think one of the things that struck me was how funny he was. Mm-hmm. And he had like great comedic timing. Now, from what I understand, the show was more or less the same every night. So, I mean, by the time they recorded this, you know, he should have he had, perfected the, it. he had the act down pat, but, uh, I thought the stories were cool. Um, and he's one person, like a lot of times I, I'm not a big fan of like, if a, like for instance, the song, the rising, I love that song. That's one of my favorite yeah. Bruce Springsteen songs. It just gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. Now, normally, I'm not a big fan of when somebody takes a song like that and then tries to get all singer-songwriter, you know, become all of a sudden become a singer-songwriter with it and, like, you know, change the arrangement and the cadence with which they sing it. I just, it get that usually just turns me off because a lot of times they're trying to be too artistic for artistic sake and it just, it comes across too forced to me. But I thought the way he did everything, it was really cool. Um other standouts to me were Dancing in the Dark, I thought was really cool. Brilliant Disguise is one of my favorite Bruce Springsteen songs. He did great on it. You know, I tend to be more of a uh, 1984 on Bruce fan, like uh, Radio Nowhere album. I like that album. Uh, I loved, you know, The Rising. So I'm not as attached to like, you know, 10th Avenue Freeze Out and Jungle Land and all that stuff from the 70s and early 80s. It just honestly, it never has done anything for me. But the later stuff has done for done stuff for me, and I thought it was a great mix between the two. And even on the songs where I didn't necessarily don't necessarily like the stories around them, I thought were really good, and it made me at least appreciate it maybe a little bit more. But I thought the thing was a was a slam dunk from somebody that's just a at best casual fan. Um, I can I know you and I had text all weekend about it, and I think you were looking forward to it like it was the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, it, it, I just uh, first of all, I will say where you said you, you hope more people will do it. I, I David and I text about music a lot, as you you, know, you might suspect, and I told him I said I I, I think basically I think it's going to be hard for a lot of artists to do it because first of all, I don't know that it, there's not a lot of artists that are that gifted as a storyteller, and not only that, are they able to tell the story of their life with their songs? Right. You know, I, I, there's a lot of great songwriters, but are they really telling their story? And I don't know. You know, I, I just I feel like that's got limitations on who really can pull that off. Because <clears throat> if you haven't seen this, and, and maybe you're not even a Springsteen fan, so you never will see it, but the way it, it goes, the first song is a song he did called Growing Up. And... Um, it's one of his earliest songs, and he goes from that to talking about a song about his dad. Well, rightfully, he goes to a song about his, he does My Hometown, so a song about his hometown, growing up around there, a song about his dad, about his mom, about getting out of Jersey, you know, all the stuff he's talked about before. Then his, his wife comes in, and um, he touches back again on family and returning back to his home in Jersey and just the feeling. 
Um, and as he calls it, just the story of him doing what he calls his magic trick, you know, performing his music. And, um, man, it, it, it gives me, it gave me chills in certain parts, especially when he's, when he's talking about his dad, you know, that, that really, really got to me. The part where he, I don't know if you saw it, where he's talking about his, um, his dad driving 500 miles up to see him without unannounced one morning before, you know, right before he was about to have his first kid. That was so powerful. Um, anyway, I, I loved it. I love Springsteen, and I, I thought this was—I thought this was amazing. Yeah, it's on um, Netflix. It's on Netflix for those that uh, aren't aware. And then you know the soundtrack is out. It's on Spotify. I'm sure you can buy it on iTunes. But uh, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. if you're just a casual fan, I I I really recommend it. Yeah, it's it's just it's a it's going to be different than anything you've seen before that that's for sure because you don't really hear anybody tell the story of their life basically in two and a half hours of music and two and a half hours and you know springsteen usually plays for three and a half hours so this is two and a half hours and not that many songs it's just because his stories are so long and um they're captivating though it doesn't get boring it's not like dude just shut up and play the next song no the the in-between storytelling is as good as the music. So it's, it's, it's worth checking out if you're even a casual fan. I agree. Like we said, it's on Netflix and then you can get the soundtrack on all the, whatever outlet you choose to listen to your music. All right. right. I think that was, kind of, I think that was kind of diverse right there. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. Uh, yeah. It's what we do for sure. Just wait till you hear our top 10 next week. Um, so this is another, uh, good idea. Chris had, uh, topic for our podcast just kind of fun nothing real serious uh we're going to talk about some of our favorite songs that involve geography so uh, you might want to go get your globe or your atlas out and we'll tell you about uh some songs that mention uh in their title um uh places that uh that you can find on the map honestly um chris i'm gonna go first sounds um, good so Let's stick with. I almost did it just where we Chris could do it with songs that mention places in Tennessee, and I could do it with songs that mention Mississippi, and we would both have a long list. But uh, I decided against that. But I am going to have a couple from uh, my home state. Uh, the first one is by Bob Dylan. It's aptly called Mississippi, and as with most Bob Dylan songs, it sounded a whole lot better when other people did it. And Sheryl Crow does a version of it. Dixie Chicks do a version of it. Uh, a really upbeat, fun song. Um, obviously, he came down here to see a woman, and she broke up with him. And he says, "I stayed in Mississippi a day too long." Uh, I think it's off the uh, "Time Out of Mind" album, uh, and from like 1997, which Jim Dickinson, the aforementioned Jim Dickinson, played on. So I'm going to go with uh, "Mississippi" by Bob Dylan. Well, you you know what I noticed? I had a lot of is is I mean I think Memphis is one of the most. If you look it up, it's it's one of the cities that people have you know saying about then it's one of it's one of the most common of any and uh i've definitely definitely have at least one i have some other tennessee songs that i i mean i have i mean y'all should see my people see my scratch notes here there's so many things on here but i'll get to tennessee but another one i noticed i had a there was a lot of a flip through was surprisingly louisiana or cities in louisiana so that being said i'm gonna start with with the song called Louisiana, I'm going to continue give, giving the Dave 
you know, little Dave Hawes love since we just finished that. This is from his band called The Loved Ones. It's a, um, it's the song's Louisiana, The Loved Ones. It's uh, probably my favorite song by The Loved Ones. Um, it's more, The Loved Ones were more punk than singer-songwriters like Dave Hawes, but uh, punk in the way that early Gaslight was. But um, again, great tune. Yeah, when you when I looked up the loved ones on Spotify, it was one of their more popular songs. So uh, Chris is trying to get me into some more punk. So uh, I did see that. I uh, thought that was interesting because they they would be from Philadelphia, correct? Yeah, well, Dave is anyway. Um, so they probably are. Yeah. All right. I mean, I think they were just all local guys. So my next one, staying in state, is by ZZ Top. My head's in Mississippi. Uh, this came out in the 80s, and I, I remember loving it when I was young. It's basically talking about uh, the blues, the home of the blues, and how uh, you know Billy Gibbons, no matter where he is, he has the music of Mississippi, uh, you know, in his ha- in his head. And so, uh, my head's in Mississippi, a, a fun one. I think it was off the Recycler album, um, which was probably their last really decent album, I think. But anyway, ZZ Top's "My Head's in Mississippi." That is a cool tune. Um, I have next. REM, Don't Go Back to Rockville. Um, this is a song that Mike Mills wrote about basically begging his girlfriend to do, begging her not to go back to Rockville, Rockville, Maryland. That's basically what the song is about. You know, so basically it means what the title says. Don't go back to Rockville, REM. And, it, and it's so much fun live when Mike Mills sings it versus Michael Stipe. Yeah. Um, all right, so my next one is going to be a song by Van Morrison, name-checking something in Mississippi, called Tupelo Honey. Uh, that's a good version, but I prefer the uh, version by J.J. Gray and Mofro. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you're not going to go wrong with, with either one of those. Uh, just kind of a smooth, mellow song that uh, I've always really liked, especially the J.J. Gray version. I'm going all all over map with location right now, so I'll eventually get straight. I know you're sticking with your your home state, but I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Chuck Reagan, Rotterdam. Um, Anybody that knows me knows that um, Gold Country is one of my favorite albums. And uh, this is basically, it's kind of, you know, he's walking around in Rotterdam on tour. Um, I I think it's kind of, just like I said, it's just walking around in a in a in a different city and in the midst of touring. Um, can't say enough good things about the man and love, 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 love the song. Think he was partaking of any of the uh, legal stuff that was there? Who knows? <laughs> All right, so let's move from Mississippi to New York City. The Beastie Boys, "No Sleep Till Brooklyn." Kerry King from Slayer plays on it. it was on their uh, license to. Uh, Ill album, 1987. Uh, it's one of the songs that was kind of my first exposure to the Beastie Boys. It's kind of a, a play on the um, Motorhead album, No Sleep Till Hammersmith. Um, just a, a great rock song that these rap pioneers put out. And like I said, Kerry King from Slayer playing guitar on it. Uh, crank it up in your stereo and it never gets old. First match we have right there. I do have that one as well. Um, next, I'm going to go Bruce Springsteen. Let's give a little bit more Springsteen love going with Atlantic City. And uh, this is one that has been covered many, many times, but doesn't get better than Boss's version. No, it doesn't. Uh, I actually actually like his version uh, quite well. 
Uh, let's go out to the West Coast. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Danny California. A catchy song, first song off their album, Stadium Arcadium, that uh, to me is one of the uh, uh, kind of bigger, I guess you would say pop songs uh, of since the year 2000. It seems like everybody knows this song. It can at least sing the first couple of lines. So uh, I'm not the biggest Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. This is obviously one of their biggest hits, and so I've always enjoyed it. All right, well, I'm going to go um, next. Let's see. I, looking through here, I kind of got thrown off as I'm going through my list. Uh, you know what? Let's, uh, there's a few I have on New York, and here's, let's go with the first one I have, Ryan Adams, New York, New York. Uh, man, great song. And I don't want to say he benefited from 9-11 because that song was recorded before 9-11, but, man, it, surely, it sure didn't hurt. Um, yeah. you know, um, anyway, uh, I love that song. Hey, let's stick, let's stick with him. Whiskey town, Jacksonville skyline off the last whiskey town. album. him talking about his hometown. This song has always kind of really moved me. It's on my list as well. Uh, great tune. And, um, and I, well, I'm going to go one more since we on him. He's obviously done a lot about location, but Oh, my sweet Caroline. Um, that's, uh, I, I love, I love that one. Um. Anyway, I, I, I do too. I prefer it live more than I do the the kind of stripped down acoustic version on yeah. Heartbreaker. But uh, yeah, another great one. Uh, let's see, a classic by Led Zeppelin, "Going to California," kind of a folk hey, that's song. That's on mine too. Yeah, folk song. Uh, matter of fact, like if I go back and listen to Led Zeppelin four. Now, pretty much the songs I go to are Going to California, When the Levee Breaks, and Misty Mountain Hop. The other ones are just so overplayed. Uh, I love the live version off How the West Was Won. Uh, really cool one, but uh, yeah, one of the one of Zeppelin's better songs in their catalog. Hey, by the way, this is kind of a fun format we're doing here. I don't think we've ever done one. We're just going one after another, not even thinking, and I'm just running through some different songs, right. not even knowing what I'm going to pick next. So... But I did stumble through my scratch notes of a great, great one. Probably one of the favorites on my list. Loretta Lynn and Jack White, Portland, Oregon. Oh man, that is amazing. Uh I'm not I'm not the biggest Jack White fan, but when that song came out, I was like, Man, this is really good and And when he kicks in, man, my God, the song just gets elevated so much. And I love I love Loretta, but man, when he comes in he sounds so cool. Yeah, he definitely amps it up. Uh, let's go with a band we talk about here. It seems like every other episode, Uncle Tupelo, New Madrid, a Jeff Tweedy song off their their last album, uh, kind of poking fun at the uh, New Madrid fault, which <clears throat> where Chris and I grew up was uh, supposedly was going to have a big earthquake in the late '80s and it was going to destroy Memphis, but uh, it never happened. But they name check that and some other things. Uh, a, a great Uncle Tupelo, a great Jeff Tweedy song from that era. All right, well, I'm going to stick with Uncle Tupelo then. I'm going to go with uh, Saugat Wynn, which is um, a village in Illinois. Well, our buddy Shannon will really like that pick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, let's see here. Let's do some Let's do some hard rock. I'll do some hard rock. Uh, my favorite song by the band Junkyard. That's digging pretty deep there, folks. Hollywood. This is Sleaze Rock at its best. I love that band. You know I do, and I love that song. Um, so I will. Here's what we'll do then. I'll give you a rock one, and I'll also give you a Hollywood. 
I'm going with Thin Lizzy, Hollywood, Down on Your Luck. I've never heard that one. Oh, uh, man, it's it's great. It's on Renegade. Check uh, it out. Is Renegade was one of the later albums, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Was that with Sykes? No, Sykes only played on the, the last one. This was the album before. I can't even think of the name of the last one, but this was the album before. All right. My next one is a song that name checks a country off one of my favorite debut albums of all time, Oasis Columbia. I don't think anybody truly knows what the song is about. I've always suspected it was about cocaine based on Noel's habit, but uh, nobody really knows. But uh, one of the one of the standout tracks on their debut album. All right. Well, let's see. Um, I'm going to go with uh, let's, let's give uh, let's, let's go give Tweety a little love. Wilco via Chicago. Oh man. Let me just say, if you're a Jeff Tweedy, if, uh, any of his music, his book that just came out is really good. I've only got like 100 pages left. Um, probably talk more about it at our next episode, but it's really, really good. All right, Chris. Band, I don't think we've ever mentioned on here. My favorite song by the band Deep Purple, My Woman from Tokyo. This one's just a fun, great rock song uh, from the 1970s. Yeah, that was unexpected. Um, all right, I'm gonna let's return that. Let's return to Louisiana. Tom Waits. I wish I was in New Orleans. I know he's not your guy. I love Tom Waits. That's a good tune. I'm gonna throw him in the Bob Dylan category. His music sounds better when other people do it. <laughs> and like Dylan, a lot of people do it. Yeah, a lot of people do it. All right, off Chinese Democracy, Madagascar by Guns N' Roses. Uh, one of the more unique songs in the Guns N' Roses catalog, and. Uh, we, hopefully we'll do an episode one day that's kind of based around Chinese democracy, but a lot of people like to poo-poo on this song, but I don't. Um, it's matter of fact, if I listen to Chinese democracy, it's one that I always listen to. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not, that's definitely not a bad song. Um, you know what? You mentioned Tom Petty. I mentioned Louisiana. Let's put the two together. Tom Petty, Louisiana Rain. Oh, great one. Let's stay on Tom Petty. California off the She's the One soundtrack. I love that song. Yeah, and you know I love, love, love that that movie, that soundtrack, everything. All right, well, I'm going to keep you in California. Credence Clearwater Revival, Lodi. Oh, great one. Uh, love the version of it on uh, Five Man Acoustical Jam by Tesla. Yeah. All right, let's go something Tesla-related here then. Sunrise in Texas by Blackberry Smoke off uh, their two albums ago. Uh, it's a really cool slow song it's basically like talking about how all these other places in the world have all these problems but me i've got sunrise in texas frank cannon of tesla liked it so much he just put it on his latest album so sunrise in texas by blackberry smoke all right we'll stay in texas waylon jennings looking back texas classic one of the classic outlaw country songs uh for sure uh let's see here i'm getting kind of low um mainline florida by uh Eric Clapton, um, one of the more kind of straight-ahead classic rock songs, I think, in his catalog off the uh, Ocean's Boulevard album, I think came out in like 1975, 1976. Uh, Mark Ford does a great co cover of it, playing it live, and does really does it justice. So that's kind of where it came on my radar. All right, I'm going to go Hank 3, Hank Williams III, Louisiana Stripes. Um, great little prison number. Is that going to be about uh, Angola Prison? He doesn't say. Okay. He doesn't say. All right. 
<clears throat> this is a cover, but it's the Almond Brothers version of it. Uh, one of their more signature tunes that they did, Statesboro Blues. That's a classic. All right, let's see. I, mine's getting a little tighter. I still got plenty on here to choose from, but you know what? I'm going to go with. I've, I've kept all these for the most part of them, like Reagan's and Haas. I've kept them pretty widely known. So I'm going to go with a more obscure band called the Magnetic Fields and a song they did called "The Luckiest Guy on the Lower East Side." And if anybody does not know the Lower East Side, it's a neighborhood in Manhattan. I've never heard of that band on any level. Yeah, I, they're they're quirky. Um, you know, I came the way that I came upon them was years ago. Where, you know, it's, and I don't know from what source. But you know, like so if if you like this, you may like that that kind of thing. Right. And it was Neutral Milk Hotel. Okay. But, I, but they don't. But they don't sound like Neutral Milk Hotel to me. But they've got that same kind of quirkiness. All right, uh, a band that I think should probably be, honestly be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame based on influence that people overlook that was huge in the 70s. Matter of fact, Jimmy Page said it's his favorite band ever from America, and that's the band Little Feet and their version of Oh Atlanta. Yeah, that's a, yeah, it's definitely random there, too. All right, I've got another lesser, well, I shouldn't say lesser known, pretty much unknown band. It's a Canadian band. Um, there was a show that, I, that used to come on a DirecTV channel that was a show that was a, it was a Canadian show, and I loved it. And the opening song was called one was called one great city by a band called the weaker then and the whole album i ended up getting the album the whole album by the weaker then i can't think of the name of the album but the whole album this one is on is great and um one great city is basically sarcasm because it's about winnipeg and he's saying in the chorus i hate winnipeg <laughs> um but anyway great 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 song and what's the name of that band again the weaker than it's uh, like we, it's one word, but it's like weaker uh-huh. than T H A N S. Okay, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Weaker than, yeah, you may like that song. It's a good song. Uh, one of the next one is one of the great guitar tracks from the nineteen seventies. Joe Walsh's "Rocky Mountain Way." Uh, when that thing comes on, you know, you know what it is instantly. I'm gonna go with one of the. Uh, I think I don't know. I don't know. You'd be surprised because it is coming from me, but probably a little bit more of an unusual pick but i've always just really really loved this song i mean this is flower power all the way but scott mckenzie san francisco oh how can you not like that song yeah it's just it's a it's such a good song love that song all right chris let's see here i'm going down my list i only have one more um it's uh the song zip city by the Drive-By Truckers. It's a Mike Cooley pin track about Zip City, Alabama, which is not far from where um, they're from in like the Muscle Shoals area. Uh, some of his best uh, lyrical writing uh, off the uh, much-heralded uh, Southern Rock Opera uh, double album. That's going to that's gonna wrap my list up. Well, let's do this. I've got so many more. I can just kind of dig through, but let's do this. Let me, um, you gave your Mississippi love. I'm going to give my Tennessee love. I'm going to start off with, I think I got, oh, before I do, Butch Walker, Atlanta. How could I forget that? It's, it, that song is amazing. Um, for, my little, for my little Tennessee little trio I got here, start with American Aquarium, Tennessee. And then I'm going to go with, um, Monta Hoople, 
all the way from Memphis, which uh, also there's a great cover band, our cover song, cover version of that by what was essentially a um, a uh, super group, which I don't know if you remember these guys, David, Contraband. Yeah. Yeah, it had Tracy Guns in it. But, um, yeah, Moth Hoople all the way from Memphis. And then I will close with the most famous song, at least in my opinion, and one of the best songs about my city, and that's Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohn. And I don't know if we've talked about this before. I think we have. I don't know if there's truth to this. I, I, I probably can I probably can figure it out if I Google it. But um, story goes that Mark Cohn wrote that song, never, having never even been to Memphis. Really? I don't know if that's fact or fiction. People can prove me wrong or right on that. I don't know. That's odd. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Huh. Well, he sure name-checked a lot of things like he had, man. That, absolutely. It, and a lot of it, would be easy you know but some of it is a little be a little bit more difficult but who knows man if he never had been he could have just known somebody that had been and talked about it so you never you never know but i don't know if that's true or not but somebody somebody will tell us yeah and i'm gonna give you don't want to give a a, a, before we do wrap this up i'm gonna give a, a local a local guy a little love um with uh Zach Myers, who's in the band Shine Down, he, um, yeah, Shine Down. It may not. I don't. A lot of times, don't listen to, you know, the, the bands that let's say would be on Octane and uh, Sirius XM. And I, Zach Myers, to me, is one of these. He's a great guitarist. But to me, he's. I like seeing him play and do his songs better than anything I'd ever hear in Shine Down. I think he's a really talented guy and he's a good singer. And you can YouTube Zach Myers walking in Memphis, and um, it's powerful, man. It's really powerful. Unfortunately, I've never seen the version where I saw him do it, which is better than any I've, I've seen. And you want to talk about emotion and seeing true love for his city? Yeah, what's Zach Myers do walking in Memphis? He'd be a fun one to have on the podcast. Yeah, it, it is so good seeing him do it. I mean, I just remember him doing this whole breakdown talking about a lot of a lot of people i think he says a lot of people you know shit on my city and he's like you know but he's like i was born in memphis tennessee and i will die in memphis tennessee and i remember i was at that show and i saw his dad wiping tears that's cool yeah that was that was that's always kind of stuck with me all right well chris we covered a lot of ground this week literally boy it's been a while man i had a lot to talk about yeah I I i probably could have talked about a lot more all right, so for those of you that have been listening loyally all year, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, this was, well, it's our second year, but it's our best year download-wise. And uh, we um, we have a few things that uh, hopefully are going to happen uh, next year. Uh, our next episode, probably we'll probably wait to the turn of the, to the new year, is going to be our top 10 albums of 2018, Chris's version and my version. And uh, I... I mean, I already know what mine is. Mine's pretty eclectic, and I'm pretty sure. Well, Chris, he can't help it. Uh, he'll be uh, eclectic. It, it, it's something I suffer from. Yeah. So uh, anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for everybody for engaging with us on social media and uh, uh, our reviews on iTunes and on Podchaser. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're just two knuckleheads that like talking music. So uh, 
from me and Chris, we wish everybody a very Merry Christmas and hope you have a very safe and happy new year. And we will see every, well, you'll hear from us next year with our top 10 albums of 2018. Take care, everybody.